Hi, Doug. Hi, Karen. So here we are in a post-election world. Here we are. Is it over? Is it over? No, I mean, it's not over, but but the world did not end, which we were really well, not sure about a week ago. Might be a slow. I mean, the, and it already has been. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, conceivably, we have a new president. We that That's the rumor. Yeah, you know. We'll see Literally, if someone will. new has won an election, yeah. but we don't well, know what that we'll means. If the squatter leaves yeah. the White House, but we'll, you know, that's, I guess that's a fight for another day. Yeah, that's a soap of a different kind. I'm tired. Yeah, I mean, everyone must be weighed down by the last four years, let alone the last nine months, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, like, I'm tired. Like, I'm always tired because, like, I go to bed early. And this is, like, always keeping me up. Like, so when I do this, I'm always tired. But I'm just, like, extra tired, like, the past, like, couple of days. I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling, like, I don't know. It's just, ex- I'm just exhausted. Like, I, I guess it's, maybe it's, like, this psychic weight, you know? Yeah, I don't, no, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. So, but it's also, like, that psychic weight doesn't just come from the election. It's just everything adds exponentially to the the emotional weight of it. Right, right. That's how I, I think that's how I feel. So speaking of weight, <laughs> we have an episode of Melrose Place to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Season 5, episode 16, The Eyes of the Storm. Now, last week we had... We saw some resolutions of storylines. It sort of felt like we were moving in the right direction. This kind of feels like, I guess they're laying groundwork again. It was a little plodding, a little slow. Yeah, and the way I first described it with Alyssa was, it's like all the characters did in About Face in this episode, which is basically the midway point of the season. Um, And... And Alyssa kind of said it differently, and I guess, and I, I rephrased it. I said, it's like the plots did an about face. Yeah. Season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could, I can, I can sort of see that because we have kind of a reversal with Jake and Allison. We have a reversal with, do we have, yeah, we kind of have, Okay, well, I mean, I guess we have an, a reversal with Amanda and Peter. I mean, I guess we can talk about this now or later when we get there. I don't know, but Amanda and Peter just aren't together anymore. Where is Peter we've, leaving? We've kind of left everything going on between Amanda, Peter, Taylor, and Kyle in the lurch. Yeah. Like, like, there's not resolution, but but they've just all sort of been plugged into other storylines that are going on, and we're, like, pretending that, we're not waiting to find out about something else that has been building up for the last half season. Yeah, like, I don't know, their marriage. It's like they're it's just... Like that. Yeah, it's like they're pretending they don't know each other at this point. Yeah, they truly, except like, they, just exist in different bubbles. Yeah, except that they they haven't even seen each other. Like, I don't know, where is he living? Is he staying at... I mean, he's not staying at Michael's. Uh, he's I don't know, he's not staying at Matt's. I guess he's staying at the hospital in that funny little room. I guess. Yeah. Where so, should we begin? Oh, I don't know. Should we just get Allison and Jake over with? Because this was, like, super annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes, and I think you'll feel that way throughout the season. Oh, Let's, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, great. 
So, okay. So remember last time we were talking about how Sid was like the only character that evolved throughout mm-hmm. the, the series? Mm-hmm. I, I was, that well. I was noticing in this storyline, I feel like Jake has evolved, but maybe not necessarily in a very interesting way. Like he's evolved from... You know, he came on the sh- when he when he was on the show, he was underage dating um, Kelly from nine hundred two one zero. You know, so it had this sort of like he was the bad boy, right? He was the he yeah. was he was the yeah, bad. He was sort of like wrong side of the tracks guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and now he's like Jake on the straight and narrow. He owns a successful business. He, you know, so so I do feel like we had an evolution with him, but I don't necessarily feel like it's been all that interesting. Well, that's that's exactly right. It hasn't been. <laughs> like, it's fine that he is just, like, a, a stable force for these other characters whose lives are in constant upheaval, but it's not interesting. Like, right. he's not... It's great that he's not instigating the upheaval, like, say, Michael or Peter can do. But he's also, like... Just the fact that he seems to be stoic is very much like you said, boring. It's just like, okay, it's fine. Right. But it's also not a great match for him and Allison. Now, I love him, I love him and Allison, but they're, they really now, starting, I believe, with this episode, pitching Allison in a very different way yes. that doesn't jive with Jake. And I think, based on how I remember it, and how I can already tell myself responding differently to it, I do not think you're going to be a fan. <laughs> well, okay, so last last uh, last episode, we caught Allison at the drugstore drug with the pregnancy test, and I, I can't remember now. Did she she took it right? We and we saw that she was pregnant. Uh, we only find that out at the beginning of this episode. It is this episode. okay? So yeah. so now she's coming out of. I don't know if it's a clinic, it's a doctor's office, and she gets into a car, and I guess Samantha, her new BFF, is driving. Yeah, which is and, one of the supr- most surprising turns of events. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like when did they become friends, but okay. Um, and so she is officially pregnant. Yes, and there's some fuzzy math going on because it's apparently eight weeks. So apparently there was one unprotected encounter when they were on their Christmas ski trip which is like three weeks in real time because this episode aired in mid-January, but... That's fine. Uh, okay, fine. That's fine. We're, we're just... We, I, everything is different in Melrose land. That's right. Time is a construct. <laughs> but now Sam is indeed her confidant and Allison is preggers and doesn't know what she wants. Right, and this but is whole... nonplussed by this news, to say the least. Yes, she is not overjoyed. She is not happy. She is not sure what she wants to do. But when she tells Jake, his reaction is he's over the moon. Yeah, and I'm glad that they didn't drag that out. The next um, scene that we get of the two of them is her in the apartment telling him. So at least it wasn't like. Uh, will she tell him? When will he find out? Sort of thing. That's at least one bullet dodged with this storyline. Right. And right. we don't have to worry about him freaking out either, which would be a cliche. So that's avoided as well. That's great. Jake is like, you know, because Shooter seems to do great. So Jake is <laughs> like, okay, 
we're going to have a kid. That's great. I'm happy this is happening. Not like, how did this happen? Not, oh, no. I'm scared. None of that. So, okay, that's great. Except we see the look on Allison's face when they hug that she's less great. Yeah, Allison, it's not great for Allison. So, so the next scene, we see them, and she's at Shooter's waitressing, and I don't know what Jake was thinking, but he was like, why are you here? You have to go home and rest. But she's the only waitress. Like, there ain't nobody else. Yeah, I mean, they don't have Matt working there. Yeah. And, you know, no one has hired Megan or anyone else to work there. So if not Allison, who? And did you notice, though, it looked like there was a new person behind the bar. Yeah, I did sort of, but then I didn't pay any further attention. Yeah, but then nobody cares, right? Um, so Jake has apparently been to City Hall to get marriage licenses and blood tests. I don't know. Yeah. Do you still need a blood test to get married? That's a great question. One, at some point, we should probably find out an answer to in our household. Yeah, I don't know. You really should. I, in all the states that I've gotten married, I've never had to have a blood test. Hmm. I do know that was always the, like, the line in TV shows when people were getting married. It was yeah, that they you had to, to get a blood test. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, right. I, we'll go with that. But, but, um, I but think. But one of the states, among the states you've been married in, uh, California is not one of them, right? No, California is not one, but we should probably put that on our list. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, Ed, why not? The water's warm. Ed. <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful there. We should definitely put that on our list of states to get married in. Um, we've only done two, so I mean, we need more. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um, anyway, Allison is sort of like, well, this is how you propose. Like, she's all mad that he proposed. Like, he didn't even like propose. It was like he was kind of like. No, it was like a tr- business transaction. Yeah, it kind of was, but. You know, but then she gets all, like, bristly about, this is how you propose to me? Yeah. And, um, and so she's mad, and she kind of, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say, like, well, she's probably hormonal, but frankly, I mean, she's pregnant, she's probably hormonal. Yeah, that's potentially part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she just kind of, like, storms off. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> of course, our boy Billy shows up out of nowhere and's like, "What's up with Allison these days?" <laughs> and Jake's like, "Leave her alone. She's pregnant." Even though the scene before, he promised her they would tell nobody. Right. She was like, "Don't tell anyone." So of course, Jake goes, "Leave her alone. She's pregnant." Yeah, I mean, and like the first person he tells is Billy. Of course. Lovely. Well done. Although we don't get any blowback from that this episode in their final scene. Yeah, no, we get nothing. We get absolutely nothing from that. And I don't know if they're going to bring that back around it, like in the future, that this is going to be some big secret that Billy knows. Um, but I can't see them actually doing that since they don't seem to remember, you know, what yeah, I, don't, prior, I don't think, you know, I don't think that becomes a thing. Right. So, I mean, you know, ultimately it turned out to be what it, it felt like what could have been a really interesting sort of storyline twist has turned into just a, a, a not anything. Right. You're right. There are some storylines where like the secrets govern 
the whole story. This doesn't seem to be like that. It's not. That's not what I was going to happen. So, I mean, the next the next day, um, you know, Jake kind of redeems himself from the bad proposal and gives her like a real proposal, and and she's she's like, yes, I'll marry you. And then instead of like kissing him, it's kind of like this weird chaste hug. Yeah, but again, she seems unsure. Yeah. So, I mean, they're really driving that home. So, I don't th- I don't see a future for these two. Um I mean, it's not off to a great start right now. No. But not. this I don't know. I find this to be uh it, like it works on like a different level than the other Melrose or other nighttime soap storylines because this is like a little bit more real and if not completely realistic, it's still kind of painful to watch so i think you'll see a lot of i think you'll see a lot of painful scenes play out within the storyline um and then i'll i'll re-render my verdict on this storyline when we're all done at season's end because i'm already viewing it through different eyes than i was 24 years ago so does that mean i'm kind of i'm trying to read what you what you like i'm trying to read some meaning here does that mean (laughs) you have an appreciation for the storyline that you didn't quite have 20 odd years ago? Or are you saying that you... I'm saying saying the reverse. I'm saying I actually really loved it. Oh, okay. um, Back in the day. And now I'm I'm, I'm looking at it being like, but why are you making these choices for your characters? This is frustrating me. Um, Okay. So I think... I'm thinking. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to think that a lot. Where, where do you feel like that flip is coming? Do you think it's like because you're older and wiser? Do you think like I'm very curious, to, like, um, because I think when I was young, I and I think I've said this before. I think I super identified with Allison, and I was in and was a teenager, so I really identified with her moroseness that we kind of see come to a crest here. Not in this episode or next episode or two, kind of, but, like, you feel it throughout the back half of the season, all the way to the end. And I think now I'm kind of like, get over it a bit. Ooh, she's kind of like the ultimate Gen X character. Kind of. Not 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 wearing enough black for me, but kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but the Mariah She is, because, because without <laughs> Joe, she really is our ultimate Gen Xer. Yeah, but even Joe wasn't. Joe was just a sad sack. Well, toward, yeah, not in the beginning, but then. Not in the beginning, yes. not in the beginning, then but yes. but that's what she ended up being. She she wasn't, you know, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't Winona Ryder on Reality Bites. She wasn't, right. um, oh, who's the other one that I'm thinking? Singles, Janine Garofalo. Kira she was, yeah, yeah, she wasn't yeah. Kira Sedgwick in Singles. She was, you know, she wasn't those sort of like archetypal um, Gen X women, I I don't I don't I lost my point. Moving on. <laughs> anyway, my 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 point is now, and I don't think you're going to be able to call everything that happens um, next for Jake and Allison, which is one of the nice I think surprises as we continue. Um, I I just found like I got a lot of pleasure out of watching it before, and I don't think I'm going to do that this time. That's all I'm saying now. We'll mm-hmm. we'll see if I'm right. 
Okay. But I don't think I don't think I have ruined you. I don't think I have given up any ghosts here for you. I mean, I think it's still a storyline worth watching as it plays out. Remember, my friend, I'm the person that reads the last page of the book <laughs> before I even start it. So it's totally fine. True. I'm good with spoilers. I'm going to pretend our listeners don't know what's coming up, though. Okay. Okay. We are definitely moving on. Where do we go next? Um, Should we do Sid? What were you going to say? No, I enjoyed Sid. Let's get Matt and Dan and Peter over with. Matt and Dan. Okay. And Peter, here's Peter. Yeah, Peter inserts himself in this relationship, and it is very bizarre. Peter is now everyone's confidant. He is everyone's savior. Everyone is going and having major confessional scenes with Peter, things that feel out of character, things that feel like they may be so amazing and fruitful to watch, and we're not seeing any of them, (laughs) right? So last week, Kimberly supposedly had a big goodbye scene with Peter that tipped him off that she was sick, and we never saw it. Now, (laughs) apparently, Matt, who has zero relationship with Peter, and they only, like, became acquainted when Peter freaked out in that surgery a couple episodes back, has apparently gone to to Peter to talk about Dan's abusive behavior. And but remember, we don't see that. Peter was like Mr. Down and Out Surgeon, drunk guy who was thinking about playing professional golf because and and becoming a gambler because he couldn't get his shit together and be the you know the the surgeon, the star surgeon that he once was. And now all of a sudden he's like running the ER and he is like the doctor to have and he and he is the person that you go spill your deepest, darkest secrets to. I wish I, I wish I could have that career where one day you're an alcoholic mess and the next day you're a superstar. Well, don't forget, he's also like an ex-convict attempted murderer. So he has really proven you can reinvent yourself. Yep. And he attempted to murder Amanda, lest we forget. Yeah. The show has forgotten. The show has forgotten. But we have not. We have not. No. So we see Peter talk to Dan. And he asked to see him because Matt has apparently told Peter off screen about all, all of Dan's behavior. And Peter has been able to summon personnel files from other hospitals that Dan has apparently worked in and had to leave. So Peter uses that to threaten Dan. You know what I feel like we have forgotten about? The fact that Hathaway owns this whole rehab center that apparently does amazing things for all of its patients. Because once they moved in as into the hospital as a doctor that we didn't know had been there all along, that was all we ever saw him do. So he mm-hmm. could easily show up in scenes near Matt in the hospital. Um, well, so I feel like they kind of tried to they t- they kind of tried to hedge that where when Peter was like, "Well, you're not going to get any more referrals from this hospital." You know, like, that was sort of where I think they tried to pad that. I guess. So, yeah. So, of course, having been threatened by Peter, King Peter, the administrative lord that he is, (laughs) uh, a drunk Dan, and off the wagon Dan, approaches Matt at Melrose. Um, And you think... You know, he accuses Matt of all, you know, of all the things that Matt has done, which is within Matt's right. Um, and just when you think, like, he's going to hit Matt, he sort of, like, sits down and collapses in front of Matt's apartment. Yeah. Um, and then he, and then he, like, pivots to a new excuse. 
Yeah. You were going to say something, so. Well, I was going to say, and then he tries to stagger away. Well, okay, no, before we even get into that. No, actually, we need, okay. Matt's reaction was odd to me. Like, here is the guy who has been abusive to him. And Matt is, like, almost try- almost playing the role of social worker with him and right. trying to, like, coax him into help and do... And instead of, like, Matt's reaction should have been, call the fucking cops, you psycho. Right. Like, that really should have or been... say Matt's you're reaction. on your own, yeah. Yeah. And instead, like, he takes the guy's keys. He's like, come in and sleep it off. You can't drive when you're in this condition. Like, it just is all this stuff where I'm like, you should have just thrown him in the goddamn potted plant and made him sleep it off outside. Yeah. Yeah. Take his keys. Take his keys. And don't let him in. Yeah. Chuck him at the bottom of the pool. Whatever. You know, but don't, don't let him into your house. But he does, and I get. I mean, and then and then it was like it was fine. And the next morning, he wakes up. He doesn't even look hungover, and he's all apologetic and all. You're absolutely right. I need to go get help. And and it's like you know. And I guess I guess that's the end of that. And he's gonna go get help and get himself cleaned up. And Matt will no longer be abused. That storyline. Once again, poor Matt. True disservice to this poor character. Because I, I feel that storyline's over now, right? It is over. This is essentially, they get a little coda for for Matt and Dan to say goodbye on nonviolent terms. Would you have liked it better if the last time we saw was last week when Matt leaves them for good? Kind of. Yeah, I think I would have too. Okay, like, I don't need to figure out what's going to happen with Dan. Does yeah. he have a comeuppance at the hospital? Will he have pieces to pick up? Don't really, doesn't really matter. I don't really care. We don't get closure with Joe, but they're going to exactly. give us closer with this guy? Like, exactly. come on. Really? Yeah. No. No good. No bueno. No. No. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually actively pissed off about that. Are you pissed off about the Joe thing? Are you, or just back to the Matt storyline? Well, no. I'm like, I'm, like, actively pissed off that they, they made it a point to give the audience closure with this, with, mm. with Dan. You know, who's been in like what a handful of episodes and turns out to be an abusive asshole. But we get absolutely no closure with the character of Joe, who has been, you know, what she was in how many seasons? Four. And four. One of the OGs. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I I mean, granted, she became, you know, kind of uninspired um as as the seasons wore on. But still, you know, it would have been nice to give her something, you know, a little bit more, a little pomp and like a little bit of closure to to us to say what she did and give her her real happily ever after instead of making it seem like she wasn't going to have a happily ever after. And then and then she disappeared. And I was like, oh, just kidding. She actually did. She ran off with that guy. Yeah. I kind of think as um, the the character departures will (laughs) continue over the next year. Year and a half. I think you'll keep. I think you'll keep seeing less and less closure, and it'll be more annoying because they gave Dan more than they give some of our main players. Oh goody! I have something to look forward to. <laughs> All right. So, well, before at? we do, um, just a little more. Although I know, <laughs> having said all that about Dan gets too much attention, I did want to say that right after he left this. 
Greg Evigan was on Fox's next nighttime soap, Pacific Palisades, which only oh played out during God. 97. It just had a spring run and then it was yeah. canceled. Um, I kind of remember that. That was on. And that had some big deal soap actors at the time. Finola Hughes from General Hospital was on it. Um, Did she leave General that. Hospital to do that? I kind of remember no. that was kind of a to do. She'd been gone for a while. Oh, all right. Um, but Michelle Stafford had left Young and the Restless, and she was a major character who had, and the actress had just won an Emmy when she was doing Pacific Palisades. A few years later, she returned to Young and the Restless and ended up becoming like their big leading lady. Oh. Um, you know, uh, there was, there's another name that I'm forgetting right now off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was their next attempt to, to do a new nighttime soap. And it was pretty uninspired. But really, the way those storylines are is kind of the way the current Melrose storylines are, too, which is just like, this is now a second-generation nighttime soap. It doesn't have the thing that made it special. It doesn't have the spark. It doesn't have the fun. There were other soaps at the time. Savannah is one that came to mind. And they were just, you know, like, some rich people, some poor people, all young, all beautiful, like, all having sex with one another, but with no je ne sais quoi. And that's basically how I feel like what we have by season five. It hasn't gone off the rails like season four did, but it's playing things safe and it's, you know, like, just running through storylines that you would expect a soap to do. And I think that's what we're just going to keep seeing more of. Not a few of those, oh my God, moments. That's kind of a disappointment. I mean, how many more seasons now do we have left? Two after this. Oh my God. And it's just, it's just going to plod. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um... I think we'll find the joy where we can, but I just can't, yeah, I just cannot recall, except for maybe towards the very end of the season, much fun happening. I mean, do we give up the ghost? I mean, that's how it goes again. Um, I say no until we have to wade much, much deeper into it before we decide, okay, we got to figure something out. We definitely, I, I definitely, we have to go through the end of season five. Yes. And at least, and at least see the beginning of season six before we make a call. Wow. So we might make a call. Um, my, my vote is to personally keep going. Okay. But I am flexible, but I'm not, but we have to go through season five. That is. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, no, I mean, we can't stop season five. We're there now. And we still have Sid. And while we still have Sid, I'm going to hang on. All right. Well, keep hanging on. Do we want to talk about Sid now? Or do we want to talk about Amanda now? Well, we're... Oh, I don't know. Let's do Amanda. Okay. So, okay. When we open this, Amanda's in her teeny tiny office, and it's getting filled with more and more file boxes. Files. Yeah. And, yeah. Billy's in there with her. Yeah. yeah Billy's in there with her, and he's sort of like, make some stupid crack about how there are a lot of file boxes and like so someday she's not going to be able to fit in her office. I don't even remember what it was. And yeah. Craig comes in and he's like, 
you beckoned, which I was kind of like, that's weird because he's technically her boss. Would he really like, can she like summon him to her office? But I guess this is no, but I think he was saying it condescendingly. Okay. Like, you're Um, still making demands on me? Fine. Here I am, your supervisor, coming to you. Anyway, she demands a bigger office, and I loved it. Yeah, she says this office is too small, and it's also too small to have her conferences, her meetings in. Which, I'm like, you you haven't been having them in a conference room? Why? You could have them in the conference room when you were in the other room. Why, Why, now that you're in a smaller office... Are you having your meetings in there? I don't understand. Well, it doesn't matter because it was great that she was very demanding. And yes, I forgot. I do err on the side of a man. So, yes. Yes. Yeah, it was great that she was very demanding. And so he has agreed to blow out the wall. Um, but but she also what, she also wants her her big clients back. And she also wants a percentage of the new business that she brings in. So she's making all these demands. And he's saying... He is telling her that she's blackmailing him. Which I don't know she how. Unofficially, um, I think she's hanging the information he gave her somehow over his head. But it doesn't really hurt him, the confession he yeah. made. About her. So I don't like really... I, like, And he's at odds with his father. So it's not like he would do anything to keep her quiet to protect his father. So I don't really know what she's planning here or why he even feels um vulnerable to it yeah um but he tells her to put in an email and she does and he get and she gets what she wants um and as they're discussing it at the end of the day by the elevator lo and behold who comes off of it oh arthur nice to see you again yeah, yeah, and and he's and he's there because he's angry because they've expanded Amanda's office. And how does right. he know? And he says he's got spies on the. He computer. says he has spies. He says he has connections or whatever, which we never find out more about that. Right, there are spies on the computer. Apparently, it's like Russia. Right. Well, we should say that this episode, as Alyssa said, was like sponsored by AOL because they overemphasize, again, the use of email and the switching to email and being a digital environment. And and then, you know, when Amanda's making her demands to Craig's face, he goes, email me through the proper channels. And then they're talking about email more when they're standing by the elevator and Arthur emerges. So, yeah, Yeah. there's a lot there's a lot about email in 1997 really funny too that Amanda needed to blow out her office because she had too many files if they were going to be a paperless yeah. company. Yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Yep, I caught that. Um, and then what happened? Well, Arthur yells at Craig. And then we don't see him again until another scene in is it in Amanda's office, I think? It is in right? Amanda's office. And so yeah. she goes down the elevator so the son and the dad can duke it out. But I guess he comes back the next day to, like, Yeah, so whenever the next time, we, probably the next day, whenever the next time we see them, yeah. Right, okay, all right, because that was the other thing that was sort of weird. Like, Amanda was like, later I'm going home, down the elevator she goes. Craig and his dad have the fight, and Craig is, like, jamming the elevator button trying to get the elevator back. But then the next time we see them, Arthur is in Amanda's office making all sorts of threats. Right. I mean, he just sort of swoops in out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then he decides that he's going to buy Amanda's silence. 
Because all she wants is money. Right. And he figured this out through email. Well, his spies in the computer. His yeah. spies told him because someone saw an email in which Amanda was actually using the Craig's reveal about Arthur as leverage. Oh, is that what it was? I was so confused. Yeah. She was and that's why that. Arthur okay. yells at Craig and says he uh, should have never trusted her. And Amanda doesn't really deny it. No, and she, and she demands $5 million for her silence. <laughs> well, yeah, because Arthur's like, I'm just going to buy you out. And at first he says, what is it, $2 million, $3 million, And you think she's going to reject it. And she <laughs> says, well, $5 million. Yeah, like she has this look on her face, like, how dare you? How dare you? And then she goes, $5 million. And he's yeah. like, fine. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I can retire with this. I know, and Craig is, like, stepping in the way and, like, putting his hand on the checkbook, and Amanda's like, let him write the check. Let him write the check. (laughs) That actually was a really great moment. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's when we have, like, just two fewer at that that level. Yeah, yeah, like, it was super fun, because Amanda's like, stop fighting with him and let him write the damn check. But you know what what that really is? That's a Sid scene. That's a Sydney moment. Oh, it is a Sydney moment. That's probably why I enjoyed it. That's so much. why we like it so much. That's why we like it. Um, so uh, while this is all going on, apparently the arguing and the stress and the pressure is too much for Arthur. He clutches his chest and he keels over. And I don't know. Somebody says, "I think he's having a heart attack." And Amanda's reaction is, "So what?" Yeah, she's like, she just sits there. Yeah, like like something out of the Little Foxes. Yeah. And, yeah, so that's it. The stress of all of it, the shock, I don't know, uh, has given Arthur a heart attack, and he dies. I mean, even if they had called 911, the truth is he was dead by the time anyone got there. Yeah, it looked like um, that was the... But now he has died with Craig and Amanda right in front of him. And the only funny thing there, I mean, aside from this ridiculous heart attack and storyline, is that um, Craig, he yells at Arthur and says that Arthur is just like the grandfather, right? But he says it in a way that made us laugh so much because he's like, you're like grandpa. Like he can't even say like grandfather or grandpa. He goes, grandpa. Grandpa. You're just like grandpa. Oh. But anyway. Somebody didn't take voice and diction in acting school. Shocking for the man on cast on this show. I understand. But but it's true. Yeah. So for some reason, I guess this is like after they put the the dad in the ground after the burial. We go back to, you know, Haley, Haley's house 2.0, um, because I swear it's the same damn house. It's the same. It's got to be Haley's uh, exterior. Yeah. Yeah. And and she's like goes into like the the Dracula looking office. Amanda goes in. I guess there's no butlers. And she just sort of. Yeah, Amanda, like, who I don't think has ever been there before, comes right in. Yeah, knows where right. to go. Right. And she, like, goes to comfort Craig. Like, don't feel bad. Your dad was a son of a bitch. Come back yeah. to work. She's like, don't feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah, and it was sort of, and she was like, she was like, and then, and then she brings up her dad. My father was the same way. He yep. killed people, too. He was a terrible person. He laid it all on my feet. I, I understand what you're going through. Like, there's yeah. all this, like, she's like, And she's like, yeah. so don't bother grieving. Yeah, she's like, let's just move on. Yeah. Give me my $5 million. <laughs> No, she didn't say that. She no, should have. I don't think she gets it. She should have. She. I mean, she god damn it! If Craig had just moved his friggin' hand, she would have. He would have signed the check. 
she would have five million dollars. Yeah. Also, <sighs> let's say you get that check and then he dies of that heart attack and then you go and deposit it. I wonder if that raises any flags. No, because it's a heart attack. I mean, how do you, how do you like not? Like, like you can't. I guess. Like, I you guess. know what I mean. I feel like, like someone that powerful, that there would be some investigation. But I don't know. That's not where the story goes. So and it I doesn't. Mean, oh, so this begs the question, right? So if somebody has a heart attack because you're in a really big fight with them, and they and you like upset them, and they're so stressed out they have a heart attack, could you be on the hook for some sort of manslaughter? Um, I believe that has been used in TV, and I think in TV they can convict you, but I think in real life they would not. Okay, I'm just great. If we have a lawyer out there that listens to this podcast, could you like reach out and let us know? Very curious. Yes. Also, if you are a lawyer listening to this show and you can name three storylines that are actually plausible, legally speaking, in real life, we would love to find out. You know my what? Is, yeah. Okay, new what? contest. If you are a lawyer and you listen to this show and you can find us three storylines that are legally plausible... I will gift you through. I will gift you a copy of of my books. The three, the three, my my trilogy. My, Even moment. better, guys. That's no longer no longer just for bragging rights. You can get a real prize. The trilogy. You get a real prize. You get a set of three rock star romances. And who wouldn't want that? I know, lawyers. We're waiting. We're calling on you, lawyers. Tell us what you got. Tell us. Okay, um, that was it, right, for, for that one? I mean, thank goodness, yes. Yeah, but again, okay. as we said, Amanda completely I involved in the Craig storyline, not a mention of Peter. Yeah, Peter, no Peter only anywhere. connected to, to Matt, of all people, neither Amanda nor Taylor. Yeah, no Peter. Absolutely no Peter. Um, okay, so, so now I guess we need to talk about Sub. Yes. The boutique. So Jane is gone. Jane is gone. Jane has flown off to Chicago just last episode. So by the time we roll around to this episode, the boutique has now been renamed. <laughs> and what would you think it's called? Of course, Sydney's. It was so great. I was like, when that when that sign flashed up and it was Sydney's, I was like, I love her so much. I love her. So it is no longer Jane's, it is Sydney's. But do you know what Jane did? Left her with a lot of debt. Left her with a lot of Jane was a terrible business person, as if we didn't know from her. Yeah, and without even, companies. you know, Michael to keep fronting half of her businesses, which I don't know why he kept being able to do or needed to do. Uh, yes. Um, and interestingly, like, you know, Sid is basically like, Jane couldn't pay a bill to save her life. Like, all of a sudden, once again, Sydney is the responsible one. Yeah. When did or that at least happen? the one who knows how to clean up the mess. Right, right. So, um, so, so she needs to, she's got, you know, she's got the bills strewn all over the place. She's giving Sam a hard time. You yeah, know, I do you like can't... the bickering between Sam and Sid. Yeah, like, you can't take any breaks anymore, or whatever this one was. You're two minutes late. Uh, yeah. We're broke. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, it's two minutes late. Yeah. But also, I mean, the thing is, Sam is almost always the right one in these fights with Sid, who's just being so 
petty and vindictive with her, and yet I'm always rooting for Sid. Yeah, me too. Me too. Even part of it is Sam can't stick up for herself, and part of it is just, I just, I'm so amused by the Sid victimizing. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's when um, Chad Lowe comes in. Yep. Carter, whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's got, you know, he's got, what, a free 20 minutes to take her to breakfast? Basically, yeah. And I was so happy to sort of see her reaction. Like, this is kind of, I feel like this is like the one sort of moment that the writers did get right, where she just stuck to her guns and she was like, you can't come in here and expect me to jump just because you have time. And frankly, I'm not going to like, and I'm not going to jump for 30 minutes, like you're to just watch you shove some scrambled eggs in your pie hole. Like she was like, not interested. Thank you very much. Move on. And, you know, I kind of feel like the Sid from three years ago would have jumped at that opportunity. Oh, yeah. Even last year. Yeah, yeah. And it was really, like, kind of great to see. And you could also, and Laura Layton, again, is a goddess. And you could also see that sort of, like, I don't know, kind of the disappointment that she had there's, to tell him no. There's, like, it, an emotional tug of war going on between yeah. what she wants slash what she needs versus what's right. Yeah, and she's like, you know what? I'm trying to save this business. I'm really busy. Um, you know, when you get your shit together, maybe give me a call. I'd like to see you, but it needs to be on my terms. That's right. And I thought that was really great. I really yes, like that. It, again, very evolved. Yes. Yes. I would love to see a second go around. You won't. So don't worry about this. Uh, spoiling wise. Uh, between season five, Sydney and season five, Jake, who both had their shit together. Ooh. We don't get that. Probably because Laura Layton and Grant Show had broken up in real life by then. Oh. And also Allison's pregnant. Yeah. This could have been a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but Sid still has this problem where she needs money and she needs it fast. So she has to go to Kyle and say, hey, remember that installment plan we said for, what, what the hell's the name? The Kirov? Yeah. <laughs> the Kirov paintings? Like, pay up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, and he doesn't really have the money either. He's like, okay, it'll be hard, but I'll try and get you some money. And so Taylor, actually, though, is the one that brings back the um the money. Uh, yeah, she comes next door to Sid's with an envelope of the money in cash and. And it comes with strings. Yeah, and the strings are she can't talk to Kyle anymore. And Sid is like, no, I'm going to talk to Kyle if I want to talk to Kyle. And so I'll figure out another way to get the money and bite me, basically. And then she also sort of like throws a dig in there about like, you're, like maybe you shouldn't talk to married men too and leave Peter out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice little dig. And she doesn't even like Amanda. No. No, she's not doing it because uh, she, she wants to defend that marriage. But but I like it when the writers throw around that everyone in the apartment knows what everyone else is up to. Even if they wouldn't have an eye to it, I like it when they have them know it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially Sid, too. I mean, Sid just, I think, yeah. is the type of person that would know everything. Sure. You know, she's kind of the busybody looks, looking out the window, peeking out, peeking out through the blinds, seeing what you're doing. Um, so apparently 
Um, I don't remember how she finds out that the money. Uh, oh, because she she's, and she and Sam are yelling. Sam again. are bickering again. Yeah, and she's and she's like still flipped out about. I got to figure out how I'm going to make these. You know, pay these bills. Or like she said, she said we got to return the scarves or like whatever. And Sam's like, "What are you talking about? The bills were paid." I don't know how Sam would know. Yeah, I don't know how Sam would know unless, uh, like, she had gotten something in the mail that said this is now paid. I mean, like, I don't see her going online in 1997 and checking their ledger. I, you know, she just shows up and sells clothes. So I don't yeah. know. And she only gets a 20-minute lunch break now, too. So why would she even be interested in You know doing what? That's payback for, for leaving early with Billy that other time. Maybe. But, that's uh, it. By the way, they have not explained how, with Jane gone, Sam is in this apartment by herself. But bygones. They have not explained where Peter is staying, like we said. They've not explained how Matt was able to move out and then move back in. And, and I guess Michael is with Megan for good, so... There's a lot of, of geography that real estate that's not being explained. Yeah, yeah, and like I don't know. I guess Peter's living in his car. I mean, that to me is the big head scratcher because you know Michael could go with Megan. Matt never gave up his apartment. I guess you could make a case with now Sam doesn't have to live under the cupboard and can actually have a bedroom. Um, but the Peter thing is just he doesn't have a home to go to. He doesn't have his own place. He had I mean, to move he's in. Like, somewhere. He's got to be somewhere. But where is he? Nobody knows. No, maybe we'll find out next week. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I mean, I would like to see him and Amanda together next week. Yeah, I, we, not even reunited, just physically in a scene together. Yeah, just because. I mean, like, like they they had this fight, and and then. But then Peter got his mojo back because that was mostly what they were fighting over. But now they're not together at all. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway, um, Sid finds out who, you know, Sid's like, who paid the bills? And then it was like, realization. Well, perhaps. Doesn't so, Sid she... ends up, so Sid ends up back at Kyle's. Right. She storms in and she says, and, you know, she's basically like, I turned down the money because they came with strings and your wife said I couldn't see you anymore. Um, but you didn't have to pay these bills for right. me. That's and right. he's like, uh, yeah, I didn't say it. I don't know what you're talking about. And is that when she has the aha moment? Yeah, because yeah. Taylor says something about like, so maybe some guardian angel paid it for you. And, and Sid says something to the effect of, well, alert the media, because for once, I think you might be right. <laughs> and then Chad Lowe might be that guardian angel. But it wasn't Chad and Lowe. It was sense, He is, and he's not, because it's his yeah. money, but it was Walter's doing. Because right. Walter's finding any way he can to make Sid a kept woman for Carter, because Carter is apparently, like, the world's biggest child, and simply, uh, the fa as a genius as he is, cannot function without Sid in his life. Now, again, got to bring up, they continue to make this look like a very asexual relationship. Like, they're not okay. even good friends. They just sort of, like, play sandbox together, as far as we can tell. I really don't know what they do or what she gives him other than a sense of, like, middle-class normalcy. But, um, but it seems to be something that really drives Carter. So Walter has paid the bills. Kind of reminds me of a guy that I dated. 
Really? That yeah. was he that stunted? Yeah, kind of. But was it like because you were young and maybe he just wasn't that worldly? No, or we were in was our it 20s. just we were in our late twenties. Like it wasn't like it it wasn't like he was you know, it wasn't like we were like nineteen or twenty years right. old or sixteen so, yeah. or whatever. Like we were both living in New York, living on our own. It was twenty he grew up in New York. It wasn't even like Oh, so forget it. He was that worldly. Yeah, he like he should have been that worldly, right? And he was just so stunted. Now that I'm thinking about it, and he even kind of looked a little bit like Chad Lowe, like that same was it sort Chad of Lowe? like no, it wasn't Chad Lowe. That would have been really cool. Um, but that sort of like sandy blonde hair and like kind of slight, you know, um, kind of slight. But yeah, he he was pretty. He was pretty stunted. Like um, his idea of like you know a big date was like staying in and watching behind the music. <laughs> Which is fine because I love behind the music, but that was kind of yeah, that was kind of like what he did and get and getting really high, like smoking a lot of pot. Mm. Yeah, I've met I've met that ex. You have I not not literally, just I mean I know that type. Oh, okay. I've worked with a lot of them. I've you know, yeah, been roommates with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, you know, he was an interesting, he was an interesting cat. He had an interesting job, so, you know, he did work, um, but, like, barely. And anyway, um, it, that was crazy. It was so funny. I just realized that. I'm like, maybe that's why I have this, like, affinity to Sid and, like, this moment. And it was, like, that late 90s thing, too. So that's the other thing that was just, like, killing me, that it was also in the late 90s. So it wasn't <laughs> too far removed from this moment. Anyway, moving on. So, so Carter has no idea um, what Walter's been up to, and Sid is about to tell him, but then she doesn't because he kind of like set, like woos her with "I don't care about work, I care about you." Right. You know, so, so she she doesn't. Okay, Sid. Good luck. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, that, that was also the weird exchange between her and Walter right before she goes to tell Carter, because she's, like, she she tells Walter, well, well, I'm going to tell Carter, and he's, like, you don't want to do that, like, I guess because it'll hurt him or disappoint him or upset like One or the other, yeah, I think so, you know? yeah. And, and I was kind of, like, but why? And then... And then, and then he, and then it, and then it turned out that it would, because, but I didn't really understand why that would hurt Carter, just to know that Walter did that because it's not like it wasn't yeah, like because I think I think no matter what it would it would it would undermine Carter's trust in Walter as as well as, as um, Carter could not I guess trust that w the reasons why Sid would Sid was in that maybe because why Sid was yeah. there I guess so yeah it just, that just seemed really far fetched because she turned down Walter's offer. Um, and she did not know that Walter was doing like she didn't even tell like how would how would Walter even know that she was financially struggling right like no well yeah I think we're supposed to believe like the this guy is such an operator he knows all well whatever so I mean it just that just you know like they all have their ways that that just kind of didn't clock to me like it really didn't yeah but meanwhile she's talking to Bar uh, to Bar to Carter and they have this nice bonding moment. Um, and then she looks back in the house and there's Walter lurking by the sliding door. He's got their eye on them. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I hope she gets Walter fired because um, he's going to be a thorn in her side if they keep if they stay together. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing works out. Yeah. She, she should consider firing him. Okay. That's it. Now here comes the big the big the big story of the episode. Yeah, you take it away. I have thoughts. Oh, I would like to hear your thoughts. Um so we last episode Peter finds out that Kimberly has cancer and is dying and so he tracks down Michael and tells him the truth. So now when we we open, I guess the whole episode, this opens the whole mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Michael at the beach house um, opening the door. I guess she never changed the locks um, and coming in to sort of confront uh, confront Kimberly about why she's, um, you know, wh- why she lied to him. Could, did you notice, did you think, like, the beach house looked a little raggedy? A little, Yeah. <laughs> Right? Like, that was, like, the one thing I noticed. Like, I was like, ooh, that front door could really use a paint job. Yeah. Like, like it was, like, everything looked kind of dirty and, like, dingy. I was like, I don't remember the beach house looking this bad, but I guess Kimberly hasn't been feeling well. Yeah, all the upkeep she'd been doing previously, I guess, has uh, gone to the wayside. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so basically, he confronts her. Kimberly's like, oh, Peter's lying. It's not serious. And, um... And I'm fine, and you have to leave. And and so they have that sort of like, go, no, yes, go, no, yes, go, and then fine, I'll go. Yeah, that that was kind of the, the gist of that moment. Yes, but you left out one other thing. So, of course, this picks up right after Michael and Megan tied the knot in Vegas, and that's when Peter right. called with the news about Kimberly. So we pick up with Michael going to Kimberly, but Michael takes off and hides this new wedding ring of his so that Kimberly won't see it and find out. Right, which I don't know. I thought was really stupid because she knows, but I but yeah. he doesn't know she knows, so whatever. Right. It's it's uh in keeping with something Michael would do, but in terms of an effect on the audience, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then I guess the next scene they're at the at the doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he and, and Peter storm her her doctor to to give them more info about her, and even though it violates all patient doctor confidentiality, he's like. Uh, okay, here are her scans. I'm leaving the office. This never happened. Yeah, basically. So they strong arm the doctor into giving up the um, the files. They pull out her MRI, throw it up on the light board, and 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 Peter's like, I don't know, but the, the, Peter is like, uh, Peter is uber surgeon, uber doctor, and he's like, yeah, she's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Or Michael says that. I don't know who says it, but basically, like, basically, I'm like, oh, look at the boy geniuses right there. Yeah, no, I think Peter is the one who verbalizes this diagnosis while Michael sort of, like, silently (laughs) absorbs it. Yeah, yeah. So I I think, and is that all we see of Peter at this point now, that he's been done with Matt, too? Like, that's it, right? Oh, yeah. We only see him when it's about Matt or Kimberly. We don't see him when it's about Amanda or more to the point about Peter himself. I right. mean, and that's part of, you know, we get Taylor in just uh, like one and a half quick scenes with Sid and that's it too. So no, none of that. Peter is only there to service other people's storylines right now. So, um, so he goes, then, he goes to well, Megan's. Yeah. Right. And he mm-hmm. sort of doesn't 
want to tell anyone about them being married because it's going to stress Kimberly out. Because at this point, I don't remember now, at this point, does he tell Megan what he knows about Kimberly? Um, yeah, I thought so. Okay, because I couldn't remember, or if he's just I saying, think, I don't want, I don't want, Kimberly. Kimberly's already stressed out, let's not tell anyone. I feel like he's already, like, told her and brought her up to speed, not knowing that she might know more, um, like, even before we see him in that scene with her, which is basically, like, just saying that he's <laughs> confirmed what he thought, and and asking her to hide the marriage. Right, right. And, and like, not only are they hiding it from Kimberly, they're hiding it from everybody. And not only has he removed his wedding ring, he tries to pry her wedding ring off. Yeah. Yeah, he tries to yank that thing right off her finger. Yeah. And then, um, and then after that, uh, he goes back to Kimberly's and confronts her, saying he saw the scans. And, um, and, you know, I'm supposed to be, basically, he's like, I'm supposed to be by your side when you die. I don't know how Michael now is suddenly heroic, um, considering he was sleeping with Megan while he was, you know, during what was supposed to be their, you know, marriage while they were married. Um, yeah, so given it, that he cheated on her right after she had a near-death experience, yeah. Yeah. So it didn't quite ring true while all of, why all of a sudden he like needs to be there before she dies. Right. Now, yeah, but it's not even doing it out of a sense of guilt or obligation. It really is like the hero in me needs the dying woman in you. Right. <laughs> and then and so and then she's like, okay, um, but I have some stuff to do around the house, so come back later. Right. And I yeah. can die with you then. Yeah, she's like, um, okay, I'm going to go to the cleaners and wash the car. Uh, but then I'll come back. And even though I'm being mean to you right now, it'll be great then. So just see you later. Bye. Also, I want to say, the music they're playing is very, like, Twin Peaksy. Oh, I guess so. I mean, now, was this the, was this the actual music that they played in the episode, or did they have to swap it out for rights? No, I think the actual scoring is the same. I think it's just when they use other licensed, like, musical singles. Oh, I'm sorry. This this was the scoring. This wasn't the licensed music. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it sort of just fades into the background for me, and I don't really notice it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's plenty of times where I'm not aware of it. I just happen to be acutely so uh, in this scene. Like, there's the tone of this storyline to me is a problem because nothing feels right mostly because a lot of their scenes aren't they're not comic relief but they're either played tongue-in-cheek or supremely heightened and while this is melodrama like they're also playing it straight like they're selling the melodrama they're not subverting it with anything else that's like really funny or sexy or knowing they're they're doing what michael and kimberly have never had to do before which is like be very ordinary in the storyline mm. and that's why it just it just feels like an ill fit to me because there's nothing that thomas calabro or marcia cross can do to lift this up all they yeah. can do is commit to it. Yeah. No, I agree with that. This is this is definitely 
yeah, what, what can, what more can they do? And th- and this one now seems to be sort of like hurtling towards some sort of conclusion. Yeah, but I don't think, I mean, like if Kimberly were going to die tonight, then I'd say yes. But I think we have a bunch of episodes left. And so I think ultimately I feel like this whole storyline is way too long. Oh, okay, so maybe I should, ref- maybe, I guess I'm sort of explaining it wrong and I'm not sure how to explain it. It feels like we're hurtling towards a conclusion, but we're not going to get there, right? Oh, yeah, that's so what that's that's kind right. of what I mean. Like it yeah. feels like we're hurtling towards a confu- towards the conclusion. Like it's everything is moving really fast. There's a lot of running around. There's a lot of Michael running back and forth to the beach mm-hmm. house. There's mm-hmm. a lot Exactly. But ultimately it's not going to end up where we think it's going to end up and we're just going to be continued to be dragged along. I think you're right. Yeah. Because, Basically. Yeah. Because, you know, after, I guess, Michael leaves so Kimberly can go wash the car and go to the cleaners and all of that shit, he comes back. Kimberly, of course, is not there. Instead, there's a note. Michael, thank you so much. I love you. I'm going to go die alone. And is this when she goes to the pier? Yeah. And it's standing at, at at the edge of like the pier and watching the waves come in and out. And I'm going, Kimberly, if you jump, you're just going to break your leg. Right. It's not as high as it needs to be to assure a death. Yeah. Yeah. And there and the water that's like there is like it's not even like she's going to be like go down in deep water and be swept out to sea. That is like the waves are literally crashing on the shore. That's what waves look like when they're on the shore. Yeah. But also, and this is death of a salesman 101. If you kill yourself, which this would be apparently, this would be apparent to everyone that you did, your 85 million insurance policies aren't going to come through. No. You and that's what, make it, but I guess, that's what, I guess, yeah. I guess though, this is supposed to be her making it look like an accident. Oops, I climbed the fence and fell into the water. I guess. It, was, it wasn't a suicide. It was an accident. Although she did leave a note for Michael. Right. From Michael's eyes only, though. Presumably no one else would see. But, um, yeah, if she really wanted her plan to work, this would ensure that it most likely would not. But she doesn't. It's fine. She's too scared to jump. And so she just kind of, like, clutches the railing and chides herself for being a coward. Yeah. So then he never finds her that night. And the next morning, Michael tells Megan that he'll just keep looking for Kimberly. Which, um... No, it's one thing for us to know that Megan knows more, but if Megan were a normal person who didn't know and wasn't involved with Kimberly in this way, I'd be really fucking pissed off. I'd be like, well, no, I'm your wife now, so stop looking for the old wife. Yeah. You're well, with me. Yeah. Well, well. But, I mean, Megan, but, but Megan knows more. In fact, she even knows more than we do, because unbeknownst to us until the next time we see her, Kimberly has reached out to Megan how? I'm not sure without Michael somehow getting wind of it. I guess she just called at the right time. Um, and it wanted Megan to meet Kimberly at the Malibu Cove Motel where she's staying. Right, because she needs to get have her give something, like plant something in the house so that Michael will find it or something like that. Um, and that's when she gives, you know, she sort of like info dumps on Megan that she's going to wait for the next big rainstorm and there's a nice curve on Mulholland Drive and she's going to drive the car right off of it. Yeah, yeah. She gives Megan the key to the safe deposit box. 
Uh, right? That's what she gave she her? Tell, yeah, but doesn't she tell her, leave that where Michael can find it or something like I that? I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she also says that it's okay because she was meant to die in that car crash two years ago. It's technically four, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I so, thought two years ago was a little soon. Like, I was like, was it, has it really only been Yeah, I mean, years? like, you know, like, we go, we live lifetimes within a Melrose Place season, but yeah, it was more than <laughs> two seasons ago. Um, uh, and I think that's it, right? She tells, but she tells Megan these are her plans. Yeah. So then, so then Michael comes home to the beach house where Megan is, and Megan has like dozed off. We're not really sure why, but Michael, Michael comes no, home and she wakes. What? There, but, okay, but there's no question. To, but Michael has no question as to why Megan is at the beach house instead of her own house. Snoozing no, on the it's couch. almost like he expected her to be there. Like, that's the thing that I was kind of like, you don't want Kimberly to know that you got married. Okay, fine. But then why is she at Kimberly's house? And why is he okay? It's almost like he was like, meet me at the beach house. Like, it was, it doesn't, like, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense why she is there. And the other thing is, too, it could have been at Megan's house. This whole, like, it didn't. It didn't matter. It didn't matter where they start from, where yeah. they Right. And in fact, it probably would have been better to be at Megan's house because she would have been closer to where Kimberly was talking about, I would think. Right. Um, but I Maybe not. Possibly. I'm not sure. But it seems to be largely irrelevant. But yes, I guess the point of Megan having dozed off is that not until Michael comes to the house is when Megan realizes, oh, it's torrential rain, which yeah. means it's go time for Kimberly. So it's the same moment that Michael sees her that Megan realizes, oh, now Kimberly's going to kill herself. So Megan's like, we have to go. So then we get Michael and Megan in a car driving in the rain and Kimberly in her car driving in the rain. And they're like the only two cars in all of California right now on the road. Yeah. And then so she, she knows exactly where this corner on Mulholland is. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is, because if Kimberly's going to go 75 miles an hour, whether they're in the car or standing in the rain on the roadside just waving her down, like, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to help. Yeah, no, it's not going to help. And meanwhile, while Megan and Michael are driving to Mulholland, Megan and Michael are getting into a bit of an argument, because Megan finally admits. Yeah, of all times, after all these many weeks, yeah, in the pouring rain while Michael is driving, trying to find a deathbound Kimberly, is when Megan finally admits the truth about everything. Yeah. And um, so you, we know nothing good can come of this. It's raining. They're driving erratically, both of them. Um, Michael is and Kimberly. And then Megan, like, I don't know, jumps on Michael because she's, like, so worried that he's upset with her. I don't like, Like, I kind of, like, didn't she pounce on him? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? I kind of remember her being in the passenger seat and then, like, pouncing on him and him being like, Megan, I've got to drive. And that's when, like, the car kind of went out of control. And Kimberly is coming up the other end. And I don't, th I don't think they hit. But Kimberly swerved out of the way. She swerves, and the, I think she does still hit him. But yeah, it's mostly the swerve, and of course, yeah, like you know, car flips over. Yeah, Michael's car flips over with Michael and Megan in it, yeah. and that's end scene. That's kind of like we don't yeah. know if they've survived. 
Right. So stay tuned. <sighs> so my note, my my note here is the cars crash. This story sucks because that's basically how I feel the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. feel like I, uh, you know, I just uh, and I'm sure I've said this before. I just feel like this is improper use of your main players. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but again, the problem with these episodes is ev every one of our stories just kind of exists in their own universe. Like, it was nice that the Sid storyline dipped into Kyle and Taylor, but there really was no gain from that. No, like, except it was but just Peter's amusing. You know, Peter's over here, and Amanda's over here, and, you know, Billy is nowhere. Oh, who best, cares, yeah. Of course. Uh, you know, like, they're all... They're all just in separate pockets on the pool table. And I'm like, no, I want you guys to hit each other. Yeah. Well, and even, yeah and even, even Billy and Sam, which their relationship was such a big part of last week's episode. Nothing. Don't even see them together. No. Nothing. We get nothing from there either. I mean, not like it's that big of a deal because it's Billy and Sam. It's not that big a deal. But it's still, not. you yeah. know, but still, it does drive home. Like, they, they, they had, like, a big storyline last week. And now it's, like, we don't even get to see that. They're not even, like, walking in or out of the apartment building together. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, it just. And yet, somehow Billy is in tune enough to know that, like, oh, Allison's acting really weird these days. So, yeah. yeah. Well, whatever. That's the episode. Whatever. Whatever, indeed. Um, I mean, did you have a favorite storyline? I'm going to guess it was Sid. Oh, it was Sid. Yeah. It was Sid. The rest of it... Uh, eh. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't. I couldn't even tell you if I have, like, a number two. I mean, I guess my number two storyline would be Amanda. You know, and not even, like, yeah. I like her with Craig or, like, anything. It's just, it's Amanda, and she is a joy to watch. Um but other than that, there's the other storylines just aren't doing it for me. I mean, like, you know, okay, we have another pregnancy storyline. Ugh. Um, you know, we have, uh, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, I guess that storyline is interesting, but kind of only because it's Sid, but also because I kind of want her to have a happily ever after. So I'm like rooting for her here that she meets yeah. this like really wealthy guy yeah. and she actually like, you know, gets to be taken care of in her Sydney ways. But even that is kind of blech, you know? No, I and, agree. And I think that, like, also, like, again, there's a missed opportunity with her and Taylor where they're just kind of, like, having this meow, meow thing going on between them. But it's really for no reason. Even though Sid did sleep with Kyle, it still didn't go anywhere. Right. You know? And, they, and I think that there could have been, like, a really interesting love triangle there that could have played out before we got... Yeah, I mean, I would have been more interested to see them as major rivals. Right, right. Particularly because at the same time, Taylor's gunning for Peter. So it do, it also has that. And, and then, and that's the other thing. We don't see Taylor and Peter together anymore. So where's that? Right. Is she still gunning for Peter or is that over too? Yeah. Because Peter's marriage to Amanda is ostensibly over. So she's no longer interested in Peter. Right. Doesn't matter. I don't know. So many loose ends. Um, that are really kind of frustrating, but yet we get the we get the big goodbye with Dan. What the fuck? 
Yeah, exactly. The one character that gets real closure. Oh, by the way, I don't think uh, I didn't finish my thing about Greg Evigan. We also just watched him this week in a Hallmark Christmas movie with his daughter in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was called Once Upon a Christmas, I think. It was it was like a Roman holiday remake where she's essentially a princess who escapes and just gets to be in the city until she encounters the man who will become her true love. And her father played her uncle in this. Oh, so it's so funny. Like, he is not, he's not getting the, the leading man roles. Well, he's too old for the leading man roles. You know, I you will, have to be 25 to 35. I and know, he's but like here's 65 there. Here's this is from a couple of years ago, but still, yeah. Do, do they have with these Hallmark movies? Are they all like twenty-something uh, characters finding love, or do they let the older people have a little bit of a love, love Jones? Well, they'll never be the lead, but sometimes they have secondary and tertiary couples that form by the end of the movie, and they give them like two scenes of a flirtation. Um, so sometimes they have that, like the seventy-year-olds that are single, like this mom-in-law and that papa-in-law. Uh, on opposite sides, uh, we'll get together at the end. Or, you know, the mom, uh, the main girl's dad who runs the inn uh, is secretly in love with the chef, and we see that they are together at the end, but it's very clearly not their movie. But it's not their movie. It's so yeah. funny. I guess that's why, I mean, I guess that sort of happened in Virgin River, too. Um, but I feel... I still feel like the characters who now I can't think of their names or the actors that play them, even though I can see them vividly in my mind. Um, they're secondary, but like kind of, it almost feels unfair to call them secondary. And they are sort of like love affair is sort of like the second most important one. Um, and the one that, and so it, it almost, it's not, it's not quite, it's almost like a side storyline because we do see the evolution of their relationship too, instead of just this sort of like arm around, arm around each other at the end where it's like, you kind of like <laughs> nudge and you know that they got together. Like you actually do see the evolution of the relationship. Yeah. That's, that's what happens with their generations. But it's nice to see it with the older couples. I mean, you know, I just, I don't know. That's just been on my mind a lot lately. Oh, I agree. I mean, this is a rabbit hole I won't I won't really dive us into, but for all the talk about different kinds of diversity, one thing that no one ever talks about is age diversity and no, making sure that, that people of the older generations get their share of, uh, you know, attention. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you know, once you are over 38, you are no longer... I no, that becomes grandparent territory. Lovable or whatever you have. No, you don't. No, you don't have uh, emotions that need validating. Yeah, no. you have no drive, no desires, right. no, you know, nothing. You're just old. Wrinkle up and wrinkle up and die in the corner. Yeah, just, just wait until it's your turn to go. Yeah, that's it. You just go, go check into the nursing home now. <laughs> All right. I well, so that, that was that was the block this week, that was guys. The block. That was the block. So we're um, gonna... Yeah, I think we are. I think this was the halfway point of season five, which is one of those things where it's like, I can't believe we're already halfway through, and I can't believe we're only halfway through. Yeah, I'm definitely at that point. Like, I'm like, wow, we're halfway through, but oh my God, we still have half, half to go. <laughs> but just think, I mean, it must feel like lifetimes ago that Richard was still alive and terrorizing Jane. I know, and it was only, what, 10 episodes? 
Yeah, it was within the season, 10, 12, the, when we finally got rid of him, yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, Melrose. Oh, Melrose. Oh, Melrose. Yeah, so we'll have to stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay, lawyers, don't forget. Let us know. Yeah, you've got a trilogy waiting for you. Hit us up on uh, Back on the Block pod on Facebook and um, tell us. Tell yes. us. Tell us. Give us your legal. Us. We're, we're, we're dying to find out the, those top three yeah. or any three. Right. All right, you guys. Be safe. Be well. Happy Novembering. And uh, we will see you next week when we're back on the block. Bye.